بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا نائنتھ آف جون ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ آن ٹو دا فورٹی سیونتھ نائٹ دا وی گوئنگ تھرو دا ایگزالٹیڈ اینڈ ڈے لائف of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. So the next section entitled, <coughs> An Eminent Scholar Amongst the Noble Companions radiyallahu ta'ala. So here it would now be most appropriate to discuss and take a glimpse into the immense knowledge which this most blessed man radiyallahu had acquired which was attested to by no other than our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so the keeper of secret sayyidina hudayfa radiyallahu anhu he said we were sitting with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he said verily i sallallahu alaihi wasallam do not know the remaining extent of my stay amongst you those take for your leaders that two that come after me gesturing towards Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu follow Ammar's guidance and ma haddathakum ibn Mas'udin fasaddiqu whatever ibn Mas'ud narrates to you believe it subhanallah so let's look at this so where's this record In Tirmidhi, number 3,662 to 3, he graded it Hassan. Ibn Imajah, number 97. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 23,275, 23,419. Hassan. Ahmad in his Fadail al-Sahaba, number 479. Ibn Hibban, number 6,902 or 15-328. Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, 2-334. Hagim in his Mustadrak 3-75 stated Sahih. Zahabi Sahih. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 7-433. Ibn Abi Asim in his As-Sunnah number 1148-9. Tahawi 2-83. Tariq Baghdad 4-346-12-20. Al-Khalal in his Al-Sunnah 1-275. Al-Haytabi in Mawadid Al-Zam'an page 538. Mishkat in the fine qualities of the companions in general. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in his As-Sahihah 3-233-3-236. So this hadith is either Sahih or a very strong narrative recorded in the sunnahs. So the Prophet what did he say to his noble companions? He said, take for your leaders the two that come after me. And he pointed to Abu Bakr and Umar. So, the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't explicitly nominate. He didn't say, Abu Bakr will succeed me as the head of state, then Umar. But he gave clear signs, and this is one of them. Out of all of the myriad of the companions, who did he point to? Abu Bakr and Umar. He goes, take for your leaders the two that come after me. Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, follow Ammar's guidance. Ammar ibn Yasr, radiyallahu, radiyallahu. Then was relevant, what did he say? 
Whatever Ibn Mas'ud narrates to you, believe it. So that's a direct command from who? Rasulullah. If he narrates, believe what he says. Is this a Sahih Hadith? I've given you the references. So this is the first report. A second. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself, radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa I, sallallahu alayhi wa I am happy that my ummah have whatever Ibn Umi Abd is happy that they have. And I detest for them whatever he detests for them. So where is this recorded? Tabrani in his Ausat 7-69-70. to Tabrani in his Kabir 9-80. Ahmad in his Fada'il al-Sahaba 2-830-840. Hakim in his Mustadrak 3-359 states Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Bazaar number 1,186 or 5-354. Behaki in his Al-Madkhal, page 138. Ibn Hiban in his Thiqat, 2-60. Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Umal, volume 5, page 237. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawai, 9-290, stated Hassan. Imam Suyuti stated Sahih in his Jami As-Saghir, number 4,458. Hayat al volume 5, page 349-50 of the New English Translation. <coughs> so this hadith is either again sahih or a very strong report and it's recorded in the famous books the Barani, Ahmad and his Fada'il al-Sahaba, Imam Hakim etc. So what did the Prophet now say sallallahu alayhi wa I am happy for my ummah whatever Ibn Mas'ud is happy that they have. So if Ibn Mas'ud is happy for something the Prophet goes I vet that and if he is upset or detest something for them, I detest it. So what greater testification can you have for somebody's deep understanding of the deed from Rasulullah himself? Sayyidina Abu Darda he related in a long report that once Rasulullah after delivering a sermon he requested Abu Bakr Siddiq to do likewise. His sermon was shorter than Rasulullah. Thereupon Umar was requested and he did a shorter sermon than Abu Bakr. Then another man was requested. His was long-winded and he also strayed in his wording. Rasulullah told him to sit. To sit down. Then addressing Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he said, Ya ibn Umi Abd, you now deliver a sermon. He thereupon stood up and after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, O people, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Lord. Islam is our religion. The Quran is our Imam. The Kaaba is our Qibla. And then he pointed to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, This is our Prophet. Thus we are pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger ﷺ like for us. And we dislike that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger ﷺ dislike for us. To this Rasulullah remarked with pleasure ﷺ, Ibn Umi Abd 
has spoken well. This is recorded in Tabarani. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 290. He comments upon the chain of narratives. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 349 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So Rasulullah was a sermon. We don't know what the sermon was. He asked Abu Bakr to deliver the sermon. So why did he do that? The sermon's already been delivered. So the scholars say he was training them. Abu Bakr, look at his love for the Prophet His sermon was shorter than Rasulullah. Think about that. That's Adam. So he listened to the Prophet. I don't know how long his blessed sermon was. His was short. The Prophet then tells Umar, you deliver a sermon. His was shorter than Abu Bakr's. <laughs> now there was a third person, we don't know who it was. And he, the report says that he started going all over the place. So this is a sign of a, of a who's not trained, you know, he hasn't got the expertise. And he starts, you know, like you say, he starts off with Scotland, he ends up in New Zealand. So he's all over. <laughs> So what happened? The Prophet he said, sit down. In one report, he said, what a bad speaker. He actually said that. Now what's strange about that statement, the Prophet never singled people out. What he would usually do, he would generalize. Is what's wrong with the people. So why did he single him out? Isn't this like, you know, exposing the individual? And the response is, when you are delivering a sermon, you are representing Islam. <clears throat> if you are speaking about yourself, knock yourself out. But once you're talking about the deed, you have to be careful. So Rasulullah, he got angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He never gets nothing personal. You sit down. What a bad speaker. And of course, the person, if he was a companion, he didn't take it personally. You sat down. Then who did he turn to? He turned to Ibn Mas'ud. And his complete sermon was even in English four or five lines and on the face of it he just mentioned the basics Zalatullah is our Lord Islam is our Deen the Quran is our Imam the Kaaba is our Qibla and this is our Prophet we are pleased with whatever Allah and his messenger look for us and we don't like whatever Allah and his messenger don't like for us the Prophet didn't say to him like we'd say everybody knows this <laughs> the Prophet said well said or well spoken or Ibn Umiyat. Now the lesson here is it's not how long the sermon is. Some people they think that this person can talk, it doesn't matter what is he saying. Some people can talk for queen and country, but they talk rubbish. You know, what did he actually call? Did he call Quran? Did he call Sunnah? Did he call Sahaba? Did he what at least what's he talking about? And that's a sign of a bad speaker. A good speaker gets to the point. One of the companions was asked about the khutbah of Rasulullah on Friday. And the, the, the Sahaba said his khutbah and his salat were of the same duration. So this is the sunnah. So how long is the fadad prayer, the jumma prayer of the Prophet So obviously, I don't know, educated guess, 15 minutes. The khutbah was 15 minutes. Now you look at the sermon. Sermon goes on for an hour. Salat, 10 minutes. So note the Prophet's sunnah is being, you know, it's either being violated or you're leaving the sunnah. And also people appreciate when people get to the point. You know, it's, people get frustrated. Because, brother, come on, come on, get to the point, get to the point. And it might just be about dunya. But if it's about the deen, obviously, you get to the point. So here, note, Ibn Masood was trained. And he got up and he did a beautiful sermon. 
Those Al-Harith ibn Abdullah Al-A'war, rahmatullah alayhi, he relates from Ali, radiyallahu, who relates from Rasulullah, that what did he say, sallallahu alayhi wa لَوْ كُنْتُ مُؤَمِّرًا أَحَدًا دُونَ مَشُورْتِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لَأَمَّرْتُ إِبْنِ أُمِعَبْدِ If I, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, were to appoint anyone to a position of authority without consulting the believers, I would have appointed Ibn Umi Abd. So this is recorded in Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah Ahmed in his Musnad, number 566, 846-852. However, in the chain is Harith Ibn Abdullah Al-A'war, and he's uh, been weakened. Also, Hakim in his Mustadrak, Mishkar in the chapter on the fine qualities of the companions in general. So this hadith is recorded in the Sunans, but there's a weak narrator. However, he's not that weak, meaning the hadith is accepted. So what did the Prophet say? If I wanted to appoint somebody to authority without mashura, that was the example of the Prophet Abu Huraira who said in Tirmidhi, after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I've never seen anybody consult more than Umar. So who did he mention first? Rasulullah. The Prophet would consult the most. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala revealed a surah called Surah Shura. Cons- consultation. The Prophet would consult. He was instructed to consult. So he said, but if I did not consult, I would appoint Ibn Masood to a position of authority. What position of authority was he referring to? In a similar report, Al-Harith ibn Abdullah Al-A'war rahmatullah relates from Ali who relates from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam If I were to appoint anyone as the Khalif without consulting I would have appointed as the Khalif ibn Umi Abd this is in Ahmed in his Musnad, number 566. Again, the same persons in the chain. Al-Harith ibn Abdullah al-A'war and he's slightly weakened. So look at these reports. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa had so much confidence in Ibn Mas'ud. He said, I would have made him the Khalif. I wouldn't even bother consulting. Meaning I've got absolute trust in him. Is there a higher position than the Khalif? No. It's not as if he was like, you know, a commander of a small... He was... Because I make him the Khalif. Because he's got all of the, you know, relevant skills set for that post. I would appoint him if I didn't consult. So what was the Prophet telling you? If I've got that much love and veneration for him, don't you dare ever find fault with him. Another report. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat, volume 4, page 167, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 817 of the New English Translation, Masruq, senior tabi'in, rahmatullah alayhi, he said, I stood it with Rasulullah's companions, sallallahu alayhi and I found that their knowledge ended ultimately with six. Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Abdullah, Sayyidina Mu'ad, Sayyidina Abu Darda and Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit Then after closely examining these six blessed souls I ultimately discovered that all their knowledge could be found in two <laughs> Ali and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud 
radiyallahu ta'ala anhum. So now let's look at this. We're not his students. You know, we love and venerate him. We follow him. But we weren't his students. His students, what did they say? So Masrook said, his students, they said, that all of the knowledge ended with six. Meaning, I went to many companions. But I realized that I could have got all of that knowledge from these six sahabah. So who were the six? Two of them, Khilaf al-Rashidin, Umar al-Ali, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Abu Darda, Zayd ibn Thabit. But then he said, <laughs> when I learned more, I realized that all their knowledge could be found in two. And you would have thought, you would have said Umar and Ali. He didn't say that. It was Ali and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Meaning there was something else. Because you just go to them, because they're just an unending ocean. You just get everything from them. On another occasion, Masrooq said, I sat in the company of many of the Rasulullah's companions, and I found them to be like dams. Some dams may quench the thirst of one man. Others may quench the thirst of two men. Others the thirst of ten, whilst others will quench the thirst of one hundred men. However, subhanallah, then there are oceans that can cater for all the people of the entire earth if they had to settle there. Indeed, I found Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to be such an ocean. Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 4, page 159, Qurtubi in Istafseed, page 39 of the English translation, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 814 of the New English translation. So this same Tabi'i, Masruq, he described the Sahaba like dams. He goes, they all quenched you. You would get something from them. But some you get a bit more, a bit more. Because some were like oceans, meaning you can't get enough. They're just unending. And he goes, I found Ibn Masood to be an ocean that could look after the entire world. Because you came to him because you don't need anybody else. You want to know about Quran, you go to him. You want to know about Hadith, you go to him. You want to know about Tasawwuf, you go to him. You want to know more about Fiqh, go to him. You want to know about Qiyamat Sahih, you go to him. You want to know about, you know, Grammar, you go to him. Because he's just something else. Abdullah Ibn Masood said of his own self, if you knew what I know, you would bury me alive. If you knew what I know, you would bury me alive. This is in Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya, number 265. What does that mean? Meaning, the truth is hard to swallow. If a people, you know, sometimes they even say, I don't want to mention this, because it will cause more harm than good. Ibn Masood said, it's a good job you don't know what I know. Because <laughs> you, you will be dead. Because he's dangerous. The Tabi'een would thus become extremely vexed when any disrespect was made to the verdicts of Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud. So let me give you an example. In Darimi in his Sunan, it mentions, a man once came to Sha'bi and asked him something. So Sha'bi said, <coughs> Sayyidina Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, he said this about this. Radiyallahu. Mm-hmm. The man then said, I want to know your opinion. Imam Sha'bi, he looked at the man and he was vexed. 
And he said to the people, Are you not surprised at this man? I have just informed him, Sayyidina Ibn Masood's ruling, he is asking for my opinion. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is more dearer to me to sing a song than to let you know my opinion. Did you want me to sing to you? <laughs> so the man thought, he got the message. So did he get vexed? Yes. Why did he ask that question? He didn't know who Ibn Masood was. That's what it always boils down to. If you don't know who the man is or the woman is who is deeply learned, you don't value their opinion. So when he gave Ibn Masood, he should have thought, well, I came to Imam Shabi, so he must be, you know, something else. But he didn't even get that much. He goes, what's your opinion? And then he told the people, he goes, I'll sing a song to you. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's more beloved than giving my opinion. A lesson for one and all, especially in today's enlightened age. <laughs> Hafiz Zahabi said in his seer, 1-461 and Tafkiratul Hufaz, Ibn Mas'ud was amongst the leading companions. He was in a mountain of knowledge, an imam of guidance. So now again, who's Imam Zahabi? Imam Zahabi himself was a mountain. He, you know, he wrote many works. He was you know, an imam of the Hadith sciences. He said Ibn Mas'ud was the leading companion. He was a mountain of knowledge, an imam of guidance. Now just to add this to finish. The following is a most important word of caution in this regard from the respected Mawlana Abdul Rahman ibn Yusuf in his book entitled Fiqhul Imam, page 35 to 6. So this Shaykh, he's still alive, Hafizullah. He wrote a book basically explaining uh, some rulings of the Hanafis. It's called Fiqhul Imam. He says in that work, quoting, these are only a fraction of the statements and reports found regarding Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's personality and excellences. Therefore, anybody raising the slogan of being from the people of Hadith, Ahlul Hadith, must surely make it an obligation on himself to fully accept these Hadith along with what they imply. Otherwise, his claims of being a member of that particular group is vain. So stop in the court. So amongst the Muslims, there are people called the Ahli Hadith. They just say we follow the Hadith. Wherever the Hadith takes us, we follow. And they, they give different names. This is you know what they usually call the Ahli Hadith. So the Shaykh is saying, if that is your slogan, that you are a person of Hadith, then you must follow these hadiths. What I've just quoted. You know, I didn't quote Bible. Because these are just some of the hadith. And you must accept what they imply. If you reject them, then that statement of yours is a waste of space. It's just an empty statement you're making. Then the Shaykh said, the reason for this is that there are many that raise the slogan, we are from the people of hadith. Yet how they are able to accommodate slandering the likes of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and still be following hadith is beyond my comprehension. So what did he then say? He goes, Ahli hadith and they slander ibn Mas'ud. 
He goes, you know, I'm baffled by it. So what do they say? Some of the ignorant statements they make about Ibn Masood. He goes, he forgot many things. <laughs> he forgot the Prophet would do Rafa'i death in Salat. He forgot this, he forgot that. And in one of the books it goes, he had a weak memory. <laughs> or his memory deteriorated. So this is what the Shaykh said. <laughs> he goes, Ahli Hadith. Then he said, any criticism against Abdullah ibn Mas'ud will have to be rejected. Otherwise, what answer will be given for Rasulullah's many affectionate and loving statements about him? The companions cannot be spoken about with even the slightest amount of resentment. Otherwise, it could lead to war with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then again, only the intelligent will take heed, said the Sheikh. So now think about it. You got a scholar in the 20, late 20th century, early 21st century, who has had to resort to making these statements. So what does that tell you about the Muslims? What that tells you is, they don't know who the Sahaba are. Somebody goes, you know, he's a learned brother. Who's this learned brother? He goes, he's got, you know, he's done studies here, then everywhere. So he goes, okay. What did he say about Ibn Masood? That's what you got to ask him. He goes, oh, he's Sahaba, right? He goes, no, no, but, what? You know, he just, you know, he did, a, he said a few things about Rafael then. What do you say about that? Stay away, you'll suss him out. He goes, well, we follow the Prophet. So Ibn Masood, so what are you saying about Ibn Masood? Just be blunt. Uh, well, he had the forgot, or he didn't hear the hadith. <laughs> and then you say, but the Prophet said, believe whatever he tells you. So who am I supposed to believe? Then he goes, where's that hadith? He goes, you're the one calling yourself Ali Hadith, you're asking me. So not end of time signs. But then the Shaykh said, it's not just Ibn Masood. The companions cannot be spoken about except with great honor. If you have even the slightest resentment, you will go to war with Allah so bad. It's slight. Not, you know, I love him, I love him. But that's that thing he's talking about. But what's this but? So again, because only the intelligent will understand this. So note, it's very important to highlight when we say that he was a scholar, normally you look at the scholarship. <laughs> you know, where is he studied? Who are the shuyukh? And then somebody goes, we don't need that. Because why? Allah and his messenger have talked about it. We don't need to know where he stood it. Allah has endorsed it. Rasulullah has endorsed it. So what are you trying to find out? So note again, this is why the true ulama have nothing but love for him. If he said something and it goes against their opinion, they say that they, they react in two ways. One is they say, we fully respect that. That's a valid view. We humble ourselves to it. However, with respect, there's other proofs. And this is how they talk. You know, they don't say anything untoward about the great Ibn Masood. But some people, they just go berserk. Because I'm calling Hadith and you're calling me Ibn Masood. Because there you go, brother. Get again, Astaghfirullah. So note again, you know, we have to be very careful. But why am I mentioning this now? Because now you've got a taste of who this man is. If I went straight to these Hadith, who's Ibn Masood? This is the 47th night. Have you got time to study who this man is? If you haven't got time, then go and have, you know, go and put your box set on in it. Astaghfirullah. 
Are there any questions you like Subhanallah <laughs>